This is Strohador, and you're listening to Spellburn. Codex, what are you doing? It's game time. I think I play too much. People say it's weird. We should cut back. That's insane. What are you doing? I'm convincing you to play if you saw. It's not gonna work. That worked. Let's play. Release the princess or prepare for wizardly combat. I want to show you a trick mother showed me when you weren't around. covering the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game and old-school adventuring. It's time to party like it's 1974. This week on Spellburn, we've got a really big show. First, we're welcoming a fourth permanent co-host to the program, the inestimable Judge Jen, a.k.a. DCC RPG stalwart and game runner Jen Brinkman. And if that wasn't enough shock and awe for you this episode, we're also welcoming back our special guest for his third appearance, fourth if you count the infamous lost pilot episode of Spellburn, Manly Mike Curtis who's going to be on the show to talk about his forthcoming adventure, The Chained Coffin, uh, which is now the latest Kickstarter from Goodman Games. So, that's a big show, right? It sure is. Jen, Huge. welcome to the program. Judge Jen. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hi. Well, this isn't daunting at all. I mean, you guys have a good thing going here. Uh, I guess I'm in to lower the property value a little? <laughs> no. <laughs> DCC bio... Now that that's going to be a repeat to any of the half a dozen people who kept stopping me at GaryCon and asking how I'm running all these games this year, which I don't know. I, I really don't get because so many people are running them at conventions and and in the stores. So it it's kind of artificially inflated, maybe. But you do judge a lot of games. It's uh, biweekly. I mean, it it's. Not as often as you, really. When did you start gaming? I remember being exposed to a little bit of the Dungeons & Dragons stuff, you know, back when there was the big media deal. And I actually had a babysitter get fired by my mother for having the book. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that is great. That is very cool. Uh, so after that, it was kind of, you know, light fantasy, mostly uh like horror fiction for my reading and got together with this person that was really into RPGs and had a house full of Lovecraft fiction. So 
that was actually my first role-playing game was Call of Cthulhu. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> Settle down, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> Knew you'd appreciate that one. Well, hand, uh, hands up on the podcast. Who's been killed by Jen and Call of Cthulhu? <laughs> my hands up. <laughs> <laughs> so not my fault. <laughs> uh, after that, we started getting into some D&D and other horror games, and I actually experienced the whole D&D hierarchy backwards, like 3 and 3.5, and then years later, 2nd edition, and just a couple years ago, we got into 1st. So it's been kind of a backwards exploration, but really kind of cool. And 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 well-timed for discovering DCC RPG then, right? Yeah, we actually started playing right about the same time that we discovered DCC. Was it was that like not long after it came out? Because you've been playing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, free RPG Day, so summer 2012. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast. I am honored, gentlemen. Now, well, I have a question. Actually, it's for all four of you. So now that now that we have Judge Jen, was there like four other judges? And you had guys had a funnel, and then like three of them died, and Jen was the sole survivor. So she's now the new host. Is that how that works on the uh, on the podcast? <laughs> well, almost. I mean, there were other potential recruits when uh, Job first had the idea for this podcast, even prior to uh, me coming on board. So there was a funnel of sorts. Well, there you go. Well, that, how appropriate. <laughs> It ultimately I, comes down to the name starts with a J, and that's it's a, that's a very strong uh, uh, requirement, apparently. I, I'm just happy I can keep calling you guys the Judge's J. So, you know, I mean. Yeah. It, <laughs> it works. Well, and that other melodious voice you hear is Michael Curtis, DCC RPG and many other RPG writer. And welcome back to the show for the third time. Here is your virtual thir- three-timers club t-shirt, sir. Oh, excellent. The keys to the special guest bathroom. (laughs) It's all been worth it then. That's it. (laughs) By my math, this puts you one appearance up on uh, Harley Stroh now. Well, I mean, it goes without saying, I'm always one up on Harley Stroh, but uh, (laughs) uh, so. uh, (laughs) And so it begins. Yes, yes, we know, Jen, Harley, is, you guys are all Renfair people, and you all drank from leather mugs at the Mud Show, and you're all a big happy family together. So. Have you met Sorry. Mr. Brinkman? I think she has a soft spot for full beards. <laughs> Perhaps. Let's no comment. <laughs> Let's move this over to the tavern. And the first rule of bartending is this. GBTB. Go beyond the book. Go beyond the book. What do you have? Heineken! Death! Tavern talk. So what did we all do in gaming this week? Job? Um, my week in gaming has been pretty lame. I'm back to, you know, just, just writing. Hopefully uh, I'll have some time to, to play again pretty soon. Um, yeah. Writing games that other people will play hundreds and hundreds of times as a multiplier, that totally counts. Yeah, yeah, I guess it does count. So, yeah, I've I've got a a couple other irons in the fire, um, some other publishers. So um, it would be uh, good to hear when those are announced. Well, oh, one of them was the Lamentations of the Flame Prince. So, Princess, sorry. Nice. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm finishing that uh, Dave, the Dave Brocky dungeon, the guy from Guar. I think we already talked about this. Maybe not. If it's news uh, I, to you, then... <laughs> yeah, I, I think we mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 knew, about, I knew about it. And other than that, um, I just... Uh, this kind of counts. I just uh, got my mail, and I got um, a bunch of my uh, World Tour Kickstarter stuff. So that was pretty cool. I know. I'm jealous. People are p- posting pictures up online, and I haven't gotten my stuff yet. I think we were in for a higher level. And so there's items that they haven't gotten from the printers back yet. Ah. Poor Rick Hull was lamenting that he suddenly dawned on him that he had pledged to get the chair, and that's all he's getting. <laughs> so he has to start running games to get the real swag. Oh. <laughs> well, at least he's got a comfy chair to run those games from. That's right. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> Jeffrey, how was your gaming week? Um, actually, I our, my the online DCC group had some couple scheduling conflicts, so I actually ran two weeks of Labyrinth Lord and Barrow Maze uh, as a filler, and we'll pick back up again this coming up week with the DCC game. Uh, but yeah, so I ran Barrow Maze with Labyrinth Lord with most of the same group and a couple people uh, that we know from some other locations. Uh, but it was it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, I can be just as lethal with Barrel Maze as I can with DCC, so it all worked out pretty well. Uh, and it was sort of fun. It was a nice little change of pace. But uh, we pick back up with DCC uh, this coming up week, so we'll be back on that back on that wagon. Very nice, Miss Jen. Was this your game week? Uh, not mine, uh, but we played a good amount of first edition in the past two weeks. Um, my game was supposed to be tomorrow, but you know, due to Mother's Day, yeah, we just pushed it back till next time. So you're running first edition AD&D? Oh, I'm not running. No, no, no. No, DCC is the only game I have ever run. Wow. Yes. That's surprising. I, I thought it was surprising that I'm running anything at all, so <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a step up in my book. Well, everybody's got to start somewhere. <laughs> Well, that's that's a real thing. There are people who prefer to judge, people who prefer to play, people who try and do both but really suck at one, and people who can do either. So, and and the rarest is the people who are comfortable on both sides of the screen and do well. Yeah, I've honestly never felt inspired enough to run anything until this came along. Nice, Mr. Curtis. How about you? Oh, what about me? Um, well, I've kind of been uh, I've kind of been a bad. Goodman Games employee. Um, I, because <laughs> I, after coming back from GaryCon, where we ran, I was, I ran like six games at GaryCon, I decided I kind of needed a, a break from actually running anything for a while. So I kind of, I brought my, the, my Metamorphosis Alpha, uh, kind of adventure arc to a, to a close. And then I decided I was going to take a little time off from running stuff. So I, uh, so I've actually, I haven't run anything since like the week after GaryCon. But um, but uh, one of my players has actually started up a game, so I'm getting to play for like the first time in like forever. So he's um, we actually played like the second session of Deadlands Reloaded. So that's like my first introduction to like the Deadlands setting or into the Savage World system or whatever thing. So, so that's uh, that's been that's been fun. It's been interesting, you know, not having to run stuff for a change. 
So, um, so I've been doing that. And then, uh, I just kind of rediscovered one of my favorite computer MMOs is actually has lived on in emulator form. So I've been playing with actually another DCC fan online, uh, once or twice a week for the past two or three weeks. So that was a, that's, you know, that's a nice change of pace not to have to sit behind the screen and, and actually corral the, uh, corral the cats for a change. So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> I know how to corral the cats in Metamorphosis Alpha now, thanks to your writing in the Android Underlords. That's uh, <laughs> my uh, my uh, uh, Mutant Crawl Classics group. When I asked for volunteers just to give them first crack at uh, joining my new Metamorphosis Alpha campaign, uh, all seven of them volunteered for it. So we started that this week and uh, quickly discovered that if you have 10 cockroaches with a 15 mental resistance, mass mind, and mental blast, you don't really need a dragon in your game anymore because those guys did 30d6 of damage to four of the players and wiped them out. Ow. Uh, Wiped them out? Yep. TPK, oh my god. Well, 50% TPK, even though that's an oxymoron. Well, I mean, uh, the, I can't spoil the adventure because lots of people don't have it yet, but there there was an opportunity to parlay that was declined by half the party. They stepped forward and received 112 points of damage, and it took about, I don't know, 10 minutes of rules referencing for me to calculate all that. It's been a long time since I rolled 30d6. <laughs> did you have 30d6 or did you roll them in waves? <laughs> I, I certainly own 30d6, but with me I only had 10, so yes, it was three waves of 10 with Rick Holt helping me count them up. <laughs> and this was first level? There aren't any experience points levels um, oh. in Metamorphosis Alpha. You get what you get when you roll up the character. Oh, cool. And and, and one young lady, Nikki, will no lo- never again use uh, mental resistance as her dump stat after that. Because <laughs> she got auto-killed. Now, now she's oh. going to put it. Now she's going to put in radiation resistance because that, that's a good dump stat. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, well, how about we read some emails? You've got mail. Message for you, sir. Summon email. Oh, I can see from the emails we've got, Jeffrey, that uh, we're still not completely caught up. No, we are not. We still have several. We're, we're getting there, but yeah, you can usually tell, uh, as some of the ones we'll read tonight, that we're still a little behind on the emails, but we'll get there. Well, we have to do the Halfling show next, but after that, maybe we'll do an all-email show. Yeah, I think that'll work well. It's poor Halflings. <laughs> so, Man, you guys keep killing my Halfling dreams. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I- I came on all ready to talk about halflings, and it wasn't until like a day a day ago I got the uh, the show notes. I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to talk about somebody very bigger than halflings. Like, <laughs> well, you're, you're too very, tall, you're too tall to talk about halflings. I thought we'd save that for when we have Harley on. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, how about that first email? Okay, so our first email comes from Bobby Ree. Hey, judges. Love the show and listen in my car addictively since I discovered the podcast two months ago. I wish a new Spellburn came out every day for me to listen to. I've been running two weekly games for the last four months, and I've gotten to a point where my players are asking for more creative, off-the-cuff adventures. Judge Job has mentioned on numerous occasions using index cards for encounters. What is the content of those cards, and how do you use them on the fly during a session? 
Thanks a lot. Keep up the great work, Judge Engine. Okay, well, since he is naming me here, I guess I'll, uh, I don't know. Does anybody know what I put on those index cards? I have, I don't remember. He may, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think maybe it was Jeffrey that said that. Jeffrey, yeah. weren't you talking one episode I make about... Ex- yeah, I make extensive use of index cards. So I was thinking too, maybe because I was like, I don't remember Joe saying he used index cards, but I I use index cards all the time. <laughs> but uh, and really, on my index cards, I have different color coded cards. I have certain colors for session notes, certain colors for uh, like NPCs, uh, regular notes. Uh, I have initiative cards. Um, and really, they're just scratch notes. They're easy to shuffle. I find them easy to use for initiative because I can shuffle through them real quick. I even use them in my online games for that. And really, on my index cards, I make session notes. So every time we have a session, I put the date on it, and I make little footnotes to myself as to what they were interested in, what happened, who got killed, uh, so that before the next session, I can flip back through and pick up some of the highlights, what I need to carry on further and whatnot. As anyone that's listened to the actual play podcast knows, my group's very unpredictable. <laughs> so, mm. uh, really, any, if I was to do lots of prep notes ahead of time, it would probably all go uh, go the wrong direction anyway. So, most of my note cards that I have, it's like I know they're probably going to encounter some city guards, and I know my group that will probably try to kill the city guards. So, I'll have just some basic stats down so that I don't have to look them up. I know I'm horrible at coming up with names on the fly. It, I'm horrible at that. So I always have an index card full of names that I can cross off and then put a note next to it of what I used that name for <laughs> so that the next <laughs> session I remembered, oh, yeah, that was that guy's name. Uh, so I use them for that. But really, well, my, Jeffrey, Jeffrey I have one tip for you on that is um, just call all your NPCs Steve, and then you don't have to remember any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I suppose that is one strategy as well. Uh, but that's what I put on my index cards. They're really just little footnotes to me. I can't plan too far ahead with my group because they will switch direction, you know, willy-nilly. So um, just footnotes to me. If I need some stats, I'll throw something down uh, so that I can grab it if need be. And that's what's on my index cards. So that was born of necessity because of how your group plays. Yeah, it, I, I felt it allowed me to be very uh, – fast and flexible with whatever they came up with. They're also handy, too, in real life at cons because you can make name card holders out of them and stuff like that. So pass notes. So you always have stuff to pass notes with and name card holders. And uh, a little bit of color coding helps me remember if I need to find something quickly, I know what color to head towards. I, you know, As long as I stick to my system, it should be in at least that color of card. So, uh, so that's, that's how I use index cards when I run. Yeah, Michael's got that thing in his Metamorphosis Alpha adventure where you can the players. It's designed for if the players want to wander off the plot path. And when I held the map up to them, I just said, "And here are all the other areas you could go to. Don't do that." And my group just goes, "Okay, we won't." <laughs> Must be nice. See, if I do that, that's where my group is going to go for sure. <laughs> right, I, right. <laughs> I think I don't know if it was the actual play that just went live this week or not, but um, I know like. Three minutes in, we like because we have a community group for my online group where we talk and get I get a feel for sort of where they're going and stuff. And you know they had all these different places they could go and do, and we'd covered it in a community group. And I thought I sort of knew where they're going. We're not three minutes into the session, and like one of the guys is, you know, I'm thinking we go do, and it's like I'm just ripping up my cards now because <laughs> you guys are going completely different than we talked about for the past week. Uh, so yeah, my my I can't hold up maps and say don't go there. That's 
Well, now, is that demoralizing for your players when you just hold up the cards and rip them, or do they start cheering? Oh, no, they think it's funny. They love to throw me on, my, uh, throw me on the edge. And though you, if anyone that's listening, actually, some of them will comment that you're just making this stuff up all as you go along anyways. And it's like, well, I'm about a half a step ahead of you guys most of the time, and that's about it. Well, there you go, Judge Engine. Next email. Okay, next email is from Gabriel Meister. And he writes, uh, greetings. So I'm headed to GaryCon for the first time. Used to game when I was younger, then picked up D&D 3.5 with friends a few years ago, then another longer break once my son was born. You get the drill. Well, I've never played DCC, but I'm reading the core rulebook now. I'm pretty darn excited to participate in two DCC games while I'm there. Oh, this is Question. an old email. It is yeah. an old one, yes. Yeah, this is how you know we're still sorting through our mailbag. <laughs> two, two months later, you're getting the answer you wanted. <laughs> So let us help prepare you for GaryCon here, Gabriel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> GaryCon 7. This is what you need yes. to know. Um, so his questions. Other than the core rulebook, what's the single best resource for me to learn about DCC, assuming that I'll be arriving at the con without ever having had the chance to actually play? And any thoughts on what else to bring with me? Should I be fully Zokified dice-wise? Yes, that's the first time anyone's ever typed that sentence. Thanks, Gabe. Well, if you listen to our last episode, that would be my first answer is pick up the fanzines. Yeah, I think yeah. the fanzines are good. Uh, I think we're pretty good. Yeah, I, oh, well. say, <laughs> I, I would recommend Spellburn just, you know, listen to each of the core class shows and um, that, but ban halflings from your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I would say just show up and show up at the table. That's a, I mean, you you know, you don't you don't need a book, you don't need a dice. Well, at least the way I run games, you know, you show the table, I'll explain everything, and you learn by having a good time. So, but I know that doesn't help drive your rating. So I'll just shut up about that. <laughs> well, I, you know, some of these questions are asked out of habit or reflex because uh, DCC is deceptive in that that core rule book is all the rules. It's the monster manual, it's the dungeon master's guide, it's the player's handbook. I mean, the whole game is in there. There uh, are no splat books on purpose. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think Mike's got a point, too. You know, any DCC j- judge I've played with has always, you know, been very accommodating of new people, uh, always very patient with them. And I know when I get new people to the table, I, you know, I make sure to take the time and make sure they're, you know, up to speed with it. So, I, you know, I, granted, it's just based on my subjective who I've played with so far and stuff, but... I don't know. It's a pretty good community. I think everyone's pretty easygoing, and it's just very laid back in general. It's not like, you know, I played a lot of Pathfinder, and I played a lot of organized play back in the day, and, you know, that's a little more intimidating. You have to follow the, you know, it's very strict and structured, but... um, Well, I think one of the benefits also of DCC is it's relatively a young game. So, I mean, the chances are that, I mean, the veteran of DCC has maybe, you know, two years under, under their belt, if assuming they got involved in, like, in beta, I mean, the chances are you were not, you know, you, I mean, the person sitting next to you may never have played before or has maybe played two or three times. So it's not like you have to deal with, you know, DCC snobbishness like, oh, I've been playing since 1974 and, you know, I can rattle off the magic <laughs> missile spell burn table in a spell table off the top of my head. So, <sighs> so, but it's it's kind of a moot point because, you know, by Gary Con 7, he'll have a whole year to get brushed <laughs> up on the rules. So there you go. Gabe <laughs> probably already found out the answer to all these questions just by showing up. <laughs> We're nothing but timely here at Spellburn. <laughs> I think he might have been one of my games again. <laughs> I was I, I I just so happened to have my play test notes from the games I ran and I was checking to see if Gabe was one of the new players. Because I had some. Okay, how about another email? 
All right, I guess that's that goes to me then. Uh, this one is from David Beatty. He says, hey guys, I'm a late show for the band, but I've enjoyed having so many episodes to listen to on my walks and other mundane aspects of day to day. I've probably walked away with something new that I've learned with each show and hope you keep churning them out, exploring the many aspects of this wonderful game Joseph and company have given us. My question is one geared more towards Job, but I'm sure everyone can chime in. I've played RPGs since the late 70s and have been behind this judge's screen for the better part of those years. Like a lot of us, I have dreams of one day being recognized for something in the field. It's not make, about making money, but more so being appreciated for a contribution that brings something nice to the table. I have no shortage of ideas for adventures, spell monsters, etc. The problem I seem to have is the process of creation. I'm curious if you can throw out some thoughts relating to this. I really enjoy hearing how The One Who Watches From Below was formed from its very basic conception to the finished product that was sent to Goodman Games. How do you brainstorm? Do you start with a story idea and flesh it out? In a similar vein, what steps do all of you use for various games, including DCC? Boy, this is a really big one. Uh, it would be really nice to add a new feature to the podcast relating to judges. You would never run out of topics when it comes to tips and advice to aspiring judges. Keep up the good work, guys. You really add to the community feel of DCC, something that I think has been a refreshing change from other RPG companies. Sincerely, Judge David Beatty. Well, I, I just would so, like to, to point out that Spellburn is a completely independent entity of Goodman Games, even though several of us call the Joseph the Dark Master boss. <laughs> That's on a strictly freelance basis. I, I don't call him that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call him, then? Joseph, <laughs> if if I feel if I if I'm feeling like you know, buddy Joe, I don't know. I mean, I know some of you have met Joe uh, Joseph, almost we professional Joseph in the flesh, and I think Doug brought up a really good point. Like, I'm like one of the G plus things. It's like you know, like it, calling Joseph the Dark Master. It's like it's the Dark Master. Hi guys, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Anyway, so David, uh, I mean, I. He kind of asked some something similar to this at Gary Khan. So, um, as far as where the the one who watches from below came from, um, really just came from you know fleshing out that that map that was in the uh, the mystery map challenge thing, and uh, uh, I you know saw those eyeballs and I was you know uh, on the on the flank of the you know what, what I ended up calling the vile hund, um, and I was just kind of thinking like why would this thing have eyes on the side of his body and it kind of grew from there um so i don't know i mean i think a big thing for me for like brainstorming or, or just um uh you know fleshing out ideas is just start to get them down on paper um maybe draw a map map always seems to solidify things in my brain for me um and just kind of um use that to stimulate you know more ideas but uh, you're in luck because we've got michael curtis on the show today too so uh, you know he's very accomplished much more accomplished than i um uh, you know what what kind of process do you use mike when you're uh, coming up with adventure ideas or ideas for rooms or traps or stuff like that well um it it, it varies it really does um the one drawback about kind of doing this in any semi-professional manner is that uh, y you are never off the clock um, when I'm reading a book, I have a, like a small note, uh, moleskin notebook I keep with me and I will jot down interesting words or, you know, it just, um, 
uh, little quotes from it, um, things that just kept popping to mind. Um, the ideas, they really come from anywhere. Uh, I have kind of cribbed ideas from, from song lyrics, from books, from things I've seen, from dreams, from, you know, from half a dozen things i have stole i have stolen ideas that my players have come up with you know that had nothing to do with the adventure they're like oh my god it's maybe it's it's one of these i'm like well it's going to be now you know <laughs> so um it's it's i mean is the is the you know that's the that's the, the that's the, the classic question like asking any any creative person any writer musician or anything like where do you get your ideas from and I think Woody Allen probably said it the best is I have a man in my closet and he gives them to me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess it's, it's different from every, from, for everybody. Um, I, the only, I mean, but you know, creativity is a muscle. So the only way to get better at it is to keep exercising it. So, I mean, you know, um, I really don't have anything to, to contribute. I don't have like any easy answer. Like this is what you do. And you too will soon be writing stuff for Dungeon Crawl Classics because I, I mean, I think we, I mean, we all those of us who were kind of like working in there working for doing stuff for for dcc we came here through all sorts of different you know paths i mean you know harley's 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 a story as famous is like he just kind of submitted something and he just happened to sneak in the back door at the right time and and job got noticed because of the the uh you know the uh the, the mystery map uh competition and i i got noticed because of my blog uh so there's no i mean you know it's you never know <laughs> I wish I had a better answer for you, but if, if I, I waited did... till that last Kickstarter was about to hit a stretch goal and sent in a pitch for it before it did. Right. Now, actually, I have one other piece of advice in this because I had been thinking about this for a while. Um, I was going to write a blog post a long time ago, and I just never did it. But um, there anybody out there that wants to, be, you know, become a, a freelancer or thinks that they want to, you know, do this um, professionally? Um, um, Go ahead and get I, divorced I, first. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but the first thing I would say is is go out and get um, some nerdy T-shirts and just wear nerdy T-shirts everywhere. So when every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you see, you know, DCC or Dungeon and Dragons art or something. I don't know. And just start thinking of yourself and tell other people that you're a game designer. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. And then once you're you have to think of yourself as that and then um, just look for any contests that are out there. And just start entering contests. So, uh, you know, we have one even on Spellburn. You can, uh, David, you can write a uh, a monster for Dungeon Denizens um, the the next time we do that. So, um, but there's more out there like that. There's there's always little contests on um, small sites, um, and uh, you know, just try to get some some wins under your belt. If you can uh, win a few contests, maybe you've been like you know, get mentioned in the the uh, one page dungeon contest. Um, you know that you're doing something right when, when you start getting these little tiny accolades and, um, you know, just keep building on those and, and, uh, um, try to build up a resume and, and hopefully you can, um, you know, be Michael Curtis one day. <laughs> no, I, that job's taken as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the fanzines that we reviewed last episode, all accept uh, submissions. That's a good place to start. Sharing things with the Google plus community will help you get your creative juices going. But oh, yeah, main, there you go. My main creative uh, how to generate creative ideas advice is keep your day job because I don't know about anybody else, but I have a hard time coming up with ideas in the dark with nothing to eat. <laughs> Fair <laughs> point. 
I, I, I do want to say that Job actually has a very good point because nobody gets discovered, you know, just uh, keeping the writing to themselves. Um, you know, get your work out there, uh, even if it is just, you know, even if it's just starting a blog or doing something with like the Google Plus community or submitting it to the, the fanzines or the various contests or it just, you know, uh, just get I mean, just get it out there because you never know where it's going to where it's where it's going to take you. I mean, you really need three things to do anything to get anywhere in this business. You need you need some talent, you need determination and you need luck. And, you know, two of those three, you know, two, two having two of those can compensate for the third. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this, uh, if you want to do it, just keep keep doing on it and just don't take no for an answer. And I think Michael's point on creativity sort of a, is a muscle is really important, too, because don't get stuck in the process of how do I do it? Just do it. Write something down, put it on paper. It doesn't necessarily matter in the early days, especially if it's right or wrong or if the stat blocks formatted 100 percent right or any of it just start putting stuff down and like michael said blogs are a great way i mean it worked for him uh, and it just gets it out there it gets it exposed and it gives you sort of a i don't know a goal even if it's just getting it up on your own blog or someone else's blog that's taking guest posts or something uh just start putting it down and like i said it, it is sort of a muscle and your head starts to i don't know work through that whole process and then you can start to polish and fine tune and some of the process i think starts to come in a little more but uh you know, just put some stuff down and, you know, the first bits may not be great, but keep it going and it'll start to, you'll, you'll figure out what you need to polish from there. In this day and age, self-publishing is an option with the tools we have because several of us, several of us have done that too. Just make sure it's proofed first. Yes. Joe, Joe also has a good point is that if you wear a t-shirt, you know, a geeky t-shirt, you know, and say that you're a game designer, you will be making the same exact money that you will be making as a starting game designer. Even <laughs> <laughs> That's just so true. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go, Judge David Beatty. Let's do the next email. This email is from Marzio Muscadere. What do you think? I think that's pretty close. I like it. I can't comprehend languages. I just learned to say Muscovich correctly, so. <laughs> Marzio Muscadere says, Hey, guys, just want to thank you again for the contest, and I am totally pumped you liked my beast. Oh, this is Marmax, sorry. Uh, as much as it might seem like small potatoes for you guys, let me tell you it feels pretty damn good to have accomplished to have accomplished writers and artists like yourselves take the time to say something positive about something I wrote. <laughs> this email answers the last email, and I sincerely mean that. Feel free to send my email address to Daniel Bishop, or you can forward me his email if you like. Looking forward to more great Spellburn episodes and possibly more contests. I told you guys, DCC has sparked my creative juices. By the way, my real name is Marzio Muscadere. My friends call me Mars. You can use that if you like. Keep up the great work, and thanks again, Mars Marmax. Well, thanks, Marmax. I know I, I happened because I watched the Goodman Games forum. I happen to know you and uh, Daniel Bishop uh, already uh, exchanged emails. Uh, this email is obviously a little bit old. Thanks for submitting your creation, and a big thank you to Daniel J. Bishop for uh, awarding the prize for that. Yeah, and thanks, Daniel, belated, for stepping up. And a belated congratulations to Marmax. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to do a Dungeon Denizens uh, entry this episode, but that contest is always ongoing. So if you have an idea for a DCC creature, just send it straight to us at uh, theband at spellburn.com. Did you hear that, Dave Beatty? That's for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we await your entry with bated breath. 
if if I personally really like your entry and I can't find anybody else to do it, I'll draw it for you. Ooh. Because the art box stops here. Okay, let's get on with the meat of the show. Let's go do some Mighty Deeds. Wait a second. I have an idea. That's plenty for the both of us. I move for no man. <laughs> Ow. Mighty So, Mr. Curtis, you've got your own personal Kickstarter going. I, I do. Well, it's, well, it's not actually my personal Kickstarter. It's, it's Goodman Games' personal Kickstarter, but I just happen to kind of go along for the ride. <laughs> so, but but I can't, the blame, the blame will fall squarely upon my shoulders. So, so yes, I do have a Kickstarter. <laughs> well, uh, for those of us who weren't at GaryCon to see the uh, What's New Goodman Games, they explained all about this. Tell us a little bit about uh, DCC Adventure number 83, The Chained Coffin. Ah, are we up to 83 already? <laughs> All right. Uh, the, the Chained Coffin. The Chained Coffin is a new adventure, which has been penned by me. It is a level 5 DCC RPG adventure. It takes place in a mountainous region called the Shutter Mountains. And in the course of the adventure, the PCs uh, find themselves in possession of a the, the titled... Uh, chained coffin, a an ancient an ancient casket bound with chains and such, and there is somebody inside. And uh, basically, what it comes down to is that the uh, the PCs are responsible for getting the coffin somewhere deep into the mountains uh, before time runs out for them. So that's the general crux of it. It's a it's largely a hex crawl. So it involves uh, the party going into a section of the mountains, which are called deep hollows, and uh, them kind of puttering around there trying to find where they're supposed to be going and, and running into the various uh, interesting people who dwell within the Deep Hollows. And it was uh, – actually, actually, I was going back trying to come up – trying to remember where the initial concept for the the, uh, the, for the adventure came from. Um, and it actually – this is hey. This here, here we go into one of the emails. Where do ideas come from? I had a image of uh, a party of adventurers kind of schlepping up a mountain with a big, huge thunderstorm going on behind them, just carrying this this big coffin, and and I just had that mental image in my head, and I said, okay, well, what's what's this about? And then I just started kind of exploring it. And I realized I was actually kind of inspired by, of all things, William Faulkner's "As I Lay Dying." So um, that was kind of where that image came from. So uh, I kind of pitched the idea for Joseph, and and I said. You know, since DCC goes back to the Appendix N and, you know, all the great uh, writers that did work there, uh, one of my favorites other than that is Manly Wade Wellman. And Manly Wade Wellman's most, probably most famous character um, is John the Balladeer, sometimes known as Silver John. And those stories take place in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, John is a, he's a singer. Uh, he's kind of a wandering vagabond, and he runs into supernatural menaces of various types up in the mountains of North Carolina, and he overcomes them using his smarts and uh, sometimes a little bit of uh, guitar work. So um, I wanted to try to create my own little nod to uh, 
Wellman's work by creating a fantasy version of Appalachia. Because there's, I mean, most of the appendix and stuff is mighty barbarians and crazy wizards running around. And uh, I just wanted to, to kind of delve into the roots of the hobby and play with an idea that hasn't really been done for uh, in a fantasy setting before. So that's kind of where uh, the chain coffin came from. So wrote the module, uh, submitted to uh, Joseph Goodman, and he loved it. And we started play testing it, and uh, we got a good response. And now here we are. Uh, we're getting ready to put it out. And uh, so we decided that we were going we're going to do a Kickstarter campaign. It was going to come out one way or the other, but uh, by doing the Kickstarter campaign, we can fund things, uh, little kind of fun little widgets to the game, which we wouldn't normally be get the chance to do. And uh, the response from the DCC community has been overwhelming. Uh, I, lo- had- I love this about what Joseph is doing because even from the very first DCC RPG modules, there was an intent and an effort made to bring something new in terms of game mechanics or game situations to each individual module. And that at first took part conceptually in the adventures, then in the maps, and now it has gone up to the point where you're going to have an actual play aid included in it. Actually, uh, jo- uh, Job's One Who Watches Below had the, the eye mask thing, and now a real play aid. Right. The, yeah, I mean, the play originally, as I envisioned it, was just uh, kind of what's going to be in the the standard issue of the uh, of the adventure, not the uh, the silver foil version, um, which was just going to be kind of a you know a sheet which had the the various uh, interlocking parts of this puzzle uh, lock, which, in, which shows up in the adventure, and was just intended you could print that out at home or photocopy or what have you, and kind of make this little you know little kind of three dial combination lock to hang out to the hand, hand it to the players and have them solve it but uh joseph said well okay well he, he was kind of exploring what options we had and one of the printers came back with well yeah well, we could do that we could we could put that together before and so joseph was like well, well that sounds cool let's uh let's like let's look into that and uh that was one of the reasons that we kind of we went with a kickstarter on this uh so to see if there was an interest for it and uh, see if people were interested in that kind of thing and um as i said the response had been overwhelming i mean the we hit the uh we hit the, the four thousand dollar mark we were going shooting for like in 36 hours so i mean it's we still there's three weeks left and i think we're just hovering on nine thousand bucks so we're we've already doubled uh the kickstarter's already doubled what we what they were looking for um and we still have a lot we still have a long way to go so so yeah so it's, it's very exciting and i'm very happy to be involved with this and i'm glad that the uh i'm glad the response to the adventure has been so so good so yeah, there's three stretch goals already funded now Three stretch goes already funding, as far as I can tell. I think um, I think if if we well, I'm I'm assuming that by the time that this podcast sees uh, sees publication, uh, we'll have hit the nine the nine thousand mark. So I think that was that'll leave us either three or four, and uh, we have some other ones in mind right now. I think li- as as we record this, uh, we have up to the fourteen thousand. Uh, dollar mark listed as uh, on as stretch goals. I believe that is correct. I just take a quick look. Yeah, that's what. Yep, that's what we're at. Somewhere in there. Well, uh, stretch goals announced up to twelve thousand, fourteen thousand above says even more cool ideas, which you're right. about to give us all the new secret information on. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. There was a reason for I was showing up on this show. Isn't there? Okay. <laughs> well, um, I. I Joseph and I've been trading emails, and we've had a couple of ideas. But he's had some ideas, I've had some ideas. But we, you know, we didn't want to say, okay, this is what we're going to do, you know, ahead of time, because if you, if anybody out there was involved with the Metamorphosis Alpha Kickstarter, you probably know that uh, Joseph is very, very open to backer suggestions. 
Um, I think half of the stuff that came up with the metamorphosis alpha thing came up because people were like, well, can we do this? Or how about this? Or can we get more dice? And what Joseph was like, well, I'll look into it. Oh, well, that was Jim Ward. I mean, J- well, Joseph's yeah. like, let's, let's do <laughs> yeah. a radioactive die. And, and Jim Ward's like, no, they need six. Wait, they need 36. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, um, the so I mean, that's that, I mean, that's one of the great things about, you know, the, the way that um, Goodman Games has been handling the Kickstarters is that, he, you know, he's he's not in this to kind of make a quick buck on this. He really wants the, you know, I mean, he's he's very determined to get people, you know, what they want. So he's he's very open to people's suggestions and um, and the kind of the Kickstarter evolves from the day from the day it begins to the, the like the, the last tick of the clock and um you know the, the backers help kind of guide where we end up so uh, we're i mean we've, the people already have some great suggestions on for the chain coffin kickstarter and uh, so we've kind of incorporated them so uh what we're, what we're looking at is is ve- i'm very excited about this and i really hope we i really hope we go the uh the full um the the full we hit every Kickstarter kind of like what we did with Metamorphosis Alpha, because I think I think these people are going to be very very excited about this. So, um, do, uh, do you want me to do you want me to spill the beans now, or do we want to dance around the subject for a little bit? <laughs> well, I I do want to just say for listeners uh, who are thinking about getting in on this and other Goodman Game Kickstarters, I mean we've all heard the Kickstarter horror stories, uh, the Kickstarters that tanked, and uh, even though they funded. Uh, the product never came out. Joseph uh, runs Kickstarters exactly the, the the primo way, where what he's kickstarting has already been written and basically created before the Kickstarter opens its doors. So the stretch goals and the and when the money comes in, that's all to fund bonus features and extra stuff, and to just get the thing printed. Right. He's I mean, he he's no dummy. I mean, you know, Goodman Games has been around for I think what 12, 14 years, something like that at this point. I think we're getting up there. Um, I think they got started when the, you know, when the first open game license came out and, you know, how many third party publishers, you know, you know, um, came out of that and then just burnt up and are no longer on the, uh, no longer on the, on the radar anymore. And Goodman Games is still going strong. So, I mean, he's, like I say, he, he, he's got a master plan, even if he's always, he's not always telling, you know, those of us in the trenches what it might be. <laughs> so, so Michael, um, I, I don't know if you can, uh, if, if you can talk about this or if it's a spoiler, but, um, can can uh, do you do you want to talk about uh, how uh, hillbilly hand fishing might be involved in your adventure? <laughs> Hill, hillbilly hand fishing is involved in the adventure. I can I can guarantee that. Um, you know that's one of, that's a, that's one of the reasons why we decided to do this the Kickstarter just so we could squeeze in hillbilly hand fishing in the chain coffin. Because <laughs> for, well, for those about, of, about half our playtest group is, was literally from Kentucky, Michael and Rick Hall ran it through the playtest and he announced up front you know there's some interest in receiving feedback whether any because this is set in an appalachian themed fantasy setting if you have any you know negative feedback or, or you're offended by any of this you know please tell us and uh when the the as a group when we hit the um cabin filled with certain very tall creatures we were all like screaming wahoo this is great so that was <laughs> it tested very well with kentucky players well, good. I'm very glad for that. Not not bad for the New York guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. So hillbilly hand fishing. What? I'm I'm a little far north, I guess, for this. I'm not sure I know what hillbilly hand fishing is. All right. It's it's also known as catfish noodling. I, I'm uh, interested in how a guy from Long Island knows about catfishing. 
that way. Uh, it's it's genetic memory, actually, is what it is. It's it's it's, it's very funny. Is that I have on the maternal side of my family, my uh, my maternal grandfather. Uh, people ask me like what my, my my heritage is, and I say that my, on my mother's side, I'm hillbilly Viking. Because my 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 grandmother came over from Norway, uh, you know, right off the boat. But my 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 grandfather, he comes from a long line who of uh, Scotch Irish who came over came over here to the Carolinas, you know, before the Revolutionary War, and and so uh, so yeah, so I got mountain blood in me. So uh, so so it was uh, it, it wasn't hard to kind of tap into that when I was writing this. But uh, but actually, Jeffrey, to answer your question. Uh, catfish noodling is where you kind of get down in the water and you go along by the, the creeks, uh, the, the, the bank of the creek, and catfish kind of lair in the mud down there, little kind of caves that they've, you know, little burrows that kind of kick out. And you stick your bare hand in there until something clamps onto your hand, and that's when you know you got a catfish. And you grab onto the gills, <laughs> grab onto the gills really tight, and you yank it out of the water. So that, that's, 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 that's noodling or, or hillbilly hand fishing. <laughs> nice. So, nice. You, you want to make your hand a fist when you jam it in and then grab. <laughs> uh, so, so I, is is that personal experience, Jim, or is that? I can't. No comment. I can't help where I grew up. Cow tipping, you name it, I've done it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so uh, yeah, so the yeah the the hillbilly hand the noodling was a was a big running joke uh, at, <laughs> at Gary Todd. So <laughs> thank you for bringing that up, Joe. I'm sure, I'm sure Doug is very happy that you know noodling <laughs> will be involved in here. It's no poodle check, but yeah. <laughs> We do, we do what we can. Uh, all right, so all right, so let, let me let me just run down the let me run run down the Kickstarter goals because I'm sure people are going to you guys are going to have questions like some people. Yeah, like we're doing this in front of a live audience. Well, fact, yeah, the, well let's start the, with the ones that have already been hit. Right. Well, oh, now I have to go look. Okay, because <laughs> I, I just have the updated notes here. All right, so this is what we're looking at. Well, so a, a full patron write up for Old Black Cloak, right? That is that is correct. Um, that was it. The we're, I'm go, there's going to be a small kind of gazetteer which covers uh, the gives more information about the uh, the Shutter Mountain region, and we're going to have a patron write up for Old Black Cloak. And once you play the adventure, you will find out exactly who Old Black Cloak is and why you may want to have him or may not have him as your patron. Oh, every cleric should totally have him <laughs> especially in jeffrey's campaign <laughs> uh so uh so we've hit that and we're we're going to be including some uh, several pages of some more fun random encounters there, there since it is largely a hex crawl i mean there is already a list of random encounters things you could run into while you're exploring the the shutter mountains uh but i'm going to add more um, you know, now they have some space to, to do so. And Doug Kovacs is going to be doing two pages of players hand, uh, player handouts. Uh, you know, it's like kind of going back to like, you know, the tomb of horror thing, you know, like, okay, you open the door and you see this and uh, I'm not touching any of that. <laughs> and, nice. uh, and then, uh, assuming we hit something like, uh, I think four more dollars and, uh, in the next, <laughs> Between now and the time this goes live, we will also be adding uh, seven kind of different versions of one of the uh, the big bads in the adventure called the uh, the bad lick um, the bad lick uh, beast, which uh, for those of you playing along at home was inspired by the by what Jim? Oh, by the bad bad lick railroad pass just south of Louisville, Kentucky. All right, so those of you who know who that is, there you go. The, the New York boy, the New York boy ain't doing too bad here. There we go. <laughs> All See, right, I thought so, I was rooming with Doug Kovacs. That was really <laughs> I wouldn't want to meet him out on the middle of a railroad trestle over a ravine in the middle of the night either. 
I don't know. I have I have, I have difficulty picturing Doug on top of a railroad track in a ravine in the, in the country, like a dark alley in Chicago, no problem. But you know, like a railroad trestle, <laughs> I, I just don't see it. You know. All right. So, uh, so kind of that's where we stand right now. Um, pro- probably by the time this the this goes live, the, these will all be listed on the uh, on the, the Kickstarter page. But just in case you happen to be listening to this podcast and you haven't been following the. Uh, the Kickstarter. This is what you're missing out on, or will soon be uh, available. All right. So, um, Joseph, and I, we, we we got some ideas, and uh, so at ten thousand, if we hit the threshold of ten thousand, uh, we're going. Uh, there's going to be uh, two more handouts um, that you know, done by Doug, I believe. Don't don't call me on that. I mean, we just know there's two more handouts doing. I assume Doug is going to do them. Um, at twelve thousand, uh, there will be an additional bonus adventure included. Uh, penned by me, set in the Shutter Mountains. So you will, right now, I believe we're looking at tr- doing a zero-level funnel for uh, for fun and fantasy Appalachia because because people requested one and people wanted to have like a uh, they wanted a list of zero-level uh, uh, professions for the region. So we are accommodating them. So uh, so there we go at, at twelve thousand. At least that, that's what we're doing. The, and, the character funnel could just be riding, trying to ride the empty coffin back down the mountain. It could be yes. <laughs> Hillbilly sledding is that that's what that is right? <laughs> um, uh, so uh, so that is so that's uh, the twelve thousand, and at uh, fourteen thousand, another two thousand on their own. Uh, we're actually going to this, and now this should answer a uh, question of what people were interested about. Um, if we hit the twelve thousand goal, uh, no, sorry, if we hit the fourteen thousand goal, the all that like kind of that additional information, the uh, the addition, uh, the additional uh, bad lick beast, and the random encounters, and the patron write up, and the gazetteer, will actually be bundled together in a separate digest size twenty four page almanac. So it will actually be a supplement to the uh, like a self, um, you know, like an additional supplement to the adventure. Oh my so, god! People have been screaming wow. for a campaign setting forever. It gets better. <laughs> so um, that, that we also, uh, I will be including a bestiary of new fantasy Appalachia Shutter Mountains in that. So that's at $14,000. So there you go. I mean, you're going to have a little, little teeny tiny Gazetteer campaign setting. If we hit 18000 we will add eight more pages to that. And in that, we will be dealing with magic and magical phenomenon related to the Shutter Mountains. And if we hit 20,000, it will grow to be 24 pages of a normal letter size. Not rather than digest size, it will be, you know, the, the typical DCC adventure size format. So you actually have two books. You'll have the adventure and you will have the, the, the region, regional gasketer supplement. Because we're going to need that big because if we hit 25,000, you're going to get an additional mini adventure. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> For 1995, you can have. <laughs> okay, Long Island, that went ShamWow really quick. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that lets us at the 25,000 mark. At the 30,000 mark, I will be including eight more pages in the Gazetteer. So at this point, I think we're up to like the 32 pages. So I think that's actually bigger than the adventure at this point. <laughs> Because why will we need all that information? Because if we hit at at thirty five thousand, we will have an eleven inch by seventeen inch poster map of the not only the deep hollows themselves, but the surrounding the surrounding mountain region itself. So you are actually getting a an entire little uh, regional campaign mini campaign setting. Holy crap! 
Right. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? And that, that's not including the separate uh, little uh, gigaw wheel, which is going to come along with it. Now, so, now if, I, if, if you sign up right now for the $10 level, do you get all that stuff? Um, you know what? I, I, I believe so, but I, I don't quote me on that because we're, we're just, we're hitting the stretch goals. This is a very good question of, you know, this is something to ask Joseph and I'm sure it will be clarified by the time that this, this podcast hits. But as I was saying, you're going to have the adventure. You're going to have, if we get this high, you'll have the adventure. You will have the gazetteer. You will have the spinning wheel. You will have the map and having all that stuff. It would be really easy to get lost. So around the 40,000 Kickstarter, the 40,000 level level, we will have a box. We will have a box with a color coder on that. So we will put this all together and you officially have your first kind of official DCC uh, little campaigns, you know, campaign in a box. So it's box not that. Right. Oh my it's, God. it's not like it's, it's not a re- revamp of what is it? Gazetteer 35 or whatever it was or anything like this. This is kind of we're, we're, we're one of the benefits of the Kickstarter. We can try new ideas. So I'm really excited about this. And I really hope the 40, you know, I really hope we hit the hit the goal. I mean, we got three weeks left as of the time we're recording this. So it, it, it's it's more than possible. But I mean, I would love I would really love. To have, okay, like, you know, we, we you get, like, the box set, and you have the adventure and everything, and if, you know, like I said, the adventure itself is a fifth-level adventure, but it's going to be having a zero-level, you know, funnel in there. So you have basically, you know, by the time everything is set, you have the entire campaign path from zero to fifth level. You know, you have the bookends right there, you know, there'll be adventure seeds and what have you, and you can explore all around there and, you know, have yourself a grand old time. So, um, so I think it's really, really cool, and, you know, I think this is going to be awesome. But and, and Jim's right. This is something that people have been clamoring for. Right. Uh, if you know, it's one of the things Joseph and I were kind of we were trying to keep in mind. If you go back and if you look in the DCC rulebook, if you look in the judges section, uh, it says right out is that, you know, DCC is kind of like the default campaign setting. It's like a small region. Although there is the whole thing about, you know, traveling to other planes or what have you. But, you know, I mean, monsters should be special, you know, that you should never really know what's kind of going on, like, you know, just across the other border or in the next valley or what have you or anything. So this is kind of an excellent chance to show, you know, one way of doing that and kind of how DCC can, uh, can you know, uh, shine and and how it can fit this this type of uh, play style. So. I think it's I think it's really cool, and I'm very excited to do this. And I'm going to be very busy right. if we hit all those little switch goals. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, gonna, I know wait, that you're not going to sleep for like the next two months. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so Michael, I uh, I know that Joseph um, sometimes will send uh, writers our work as it comes in um, for their stuff. And I know on the Kickstarter page, you know, we, uh, we've got some great Kovac stuff, and then um, the. Um, there's the obviously uh, the old black cloak that looks like a JFD piece to me. Um, mm-hmm. Can you uh, tell us some of the other artists, uh, if you know them, that, that are going to be working on this book? To be honest, I do not know. Uh, I would love to have that information, but I'm sure you know, you know, I'm just, I'm the word monkey at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, you know, I know, like, like I said, Joseph always has a plan. Um, and by the time the, the podcast is released, we may have, we may know more about that. But at this point, it's just been, it's been a barrage of emails and us trying to block out time and make sure that we can do all this. And, and we will, if, if, if the desire from the backers is there, we will, we will do it. So basically, we're going to we have this great idea, and we're putting it into the hands of the backers. Do you want this? And if so, well, well, let's all work together and make it happen. 
Well, what's exciting to me about this is that in the Metamorphosis Alpha Kickstarter, it seemed to me from spectating from the outside that Joseph set up what he thought would be the appropriate number of stretch goals for what he figured it would fund for. And then when it started blasting through those, was faced with creating more and more stretch goals as as it kept snowballing and snowballing. Looks like he's out ahead of this one. Yes, yes. Um, you know, we, we, we know kind of we have we have the, the course charted and, um, you know, where we end up we'll see but it's going to be a heck of a ride so we're, we're all looking forward to see where where this thing ends and i think uh june 2nd at midnight or like 12 13 or something eastern standard time i think that's when the, the kickstarter officially ends so um we'll see where we're going and uh it's going to be it's going to be very cool so there's clearly a lot of internal excitement about it because you can always tell when uh doug is like all in on the art Mm-hmm. Some of his, this, this, I mean, his art is always great, but like that black and white version of the cover, which I guess is going to be the foil cover, that's right. that's just a beast of a piece of pen and ink. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my God! I'm looking at this picture. It says Wilson. It's Mike Wilson. Oh, that did the black cloak illustration. Yeah. Oh man, I thought it looked just like little Jeff D's little halfling guy there. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an opinion because I didn't get that good a look at him in the playtest. I banished him on sight every chance I got. <laughs> Why so, would you do that? One thing about the stretch goals, because I Joe asked because I had the same question because there's always that sweet spot sure. in the Kickstarter. And underneath the stretch goals on the Kickstarter now, it says, note, the stretch goals will definitely be part of the limited edition module. They may also be part of the regular module depending on how the Kickstarter goes. That is correct. So, yeah. So, so, so to be guaranteed that you've got to go in for the thirty dollars pledge level, at least. Yeah, and they may come to the the other level, but it's it should be guaranteed for the the limited yeah. edition thirty dollars level. Yeah, I I mean I don't know for certain, but one one of the reasons why, from as I understand things, is it wasn't sure whether we were going to be uh, whether the it, all the information would be in both versions of it. I think it has something to do with uh, you know not only cost, but you know the effort of doing the different layouts and what have you. I just knew it was going to be – it was questionable whether uh, it was feasible to do or not. Um, So I think one of the things is that if it does get to the point where um, it's published under a separate cover, like in a separate different – you know, a separate gazetteer away from the adventure itself, I think the the odds of everybody getting that in some form or another are much greater because then it's just a matter of you you print two things and you you bundle it together and there you go. Right. Or one goes in the box and the other sold separately. Right. One of the things I really like about this Kickstarter is that it's really reasonable and affordable for pretty much all the levels here. Mm-hmm. I mean, $30, unless you're a retailer, that's probably what the the normal person's going to need. But I've got to be a good little sales girl here and mention that the Printer Proofs Edition is also up. There's two of those pledge levels available. Right, that- yeah. That would really help bump up the uh, stretch goal limit, too. Yeah, I think I'm going to stop calling Joseph the Dark Master and start calling him Steve Jobs, because it's like he knows where I live (laughs) (laughs) with this stuff. I'm like, oh, another one? Uh, Oh, yeah, I'm in. (laughs) But I agree with you, Jen. I think the price point on this one's really cool. And I think what's funny is you'll notice, I think, in a lot of these Kickstarters were that – point of entry to get into the cool stuff they tend to be the ones that do super good i mean 30 bucks isn't that much to get into and it's already you know i don't know taken off pretty well and uh but yeah i agree with you it's a very well priced uh kickstarter to get in on and get lots of cool stuff for the price well i mean if you look at the if you look at the 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 
the various pledges, the pledges are no different than what you would pay for retail for these. I mean, the the, the standard adventure itself is ten bucks. Um, the if you look back, the uh, I think it was what is it the um, uh, the third the third the thir- not the thirteenth the thirteenth skull and uh, oh, the one fate fell hand the fate fell hand. There you go. Right, right. I mean, those were both. I think the the silver the you know the, the foil covers of those were twenty nine ninety nine. They were thirty bucks, I believe. Um, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that that was my that was my understanding. I mean, these were these were coming out one way or these were coming out anyway. Um, but as as kind of we've discovered with the Metamorphosis Alpha um, Kickstarter, uh, this is this is a great way of being able to do things that people. People may want, but, but uh, you know, may not know they want until they see it's available. <laughs> it's a way to crank it to eleven, man. Right, right. I mean, I think. I mean, I was thinking about this. It, you know, there's, 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 you know, that despite all the the horrible stories that you know people know about Kickstarter and everything, you know, that, well, I pledged this and the money went away and I never saw anything or everything like that. Um, Kick, I mean, Joseph is using Kickstarter in like a very, very smart fashion. I mean, he is he's he comes up with an idea and he's not sure of what the what the you know, what the response is or if there's any interest out there. So rather than kind of, you know, uh, you know, paying the money and doing it and just kind of rolling the dice to see if it's going to happen or not. Um, this is a great chance to see if there is if, if people want this sort of thing. I mean, you know, going back to the Metamorphosis Alpha thing, you know, the, a giant deluxe version, an eighty dollars book of a title that you know, I mean, it's been around forever, but you know, uh, profile wise, it wasn't that huge. I mean, people who have been playing since the start of the hobby, they knew Metamorphosis Alpha. People who are kind of older gamers, you know, may have, you know, they they probably heard of it, but they may never have seen it. And then younger gamers just had no clue whatsoever. Um, but like as the Metamorphosis Alpha thing, Joseph said, okay, maybe there's, a, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's, a, maybe people want this. So rather than having to kind of shell, the, you know, paying all the money up front, and then you know, if they, if it, if it, you know, if it sank, you know, then then being out of that money, there, you know, there you go. This is this is a sensible way to do this. Well, there's so, a there's an inherent problem with the way people put money into Kickstarters, and that's that they think they're buying something, and they misunderstand that what you're doing is investing your money in that person or company, just like you were a venture capitalist. Right. Which means now you're at looking at a risk reward uh, equation and deciding if it's worth the risk and you're, you know, investing in the product or the company. Mm. That's, that's actually what's happening. You're not actually buying anything. So then you start, okay, well, you know, Joe Blow is just some guy who says he's writing the next great thing. Do I risk my money with him? And then you've got like Goodman Games, which is a very established, uh, you know, very good reputation company. That's a pretty safe risk. Right. Since since people are already getting their their swag from the swag <laughs> Kickstarter, I mean, there you go. Uh, I have a question for you though, Michael, uh, because uh, I was at the uh, or I think all of us were at the uh, What's New Goodman Games announcement at GaryCon, and when uh, Joseph talked about this and Perils of the Purple Planet, he also went into a little bit about how they had planned to do a Kickstarter for Harley's next adventure too, and and some of the bonus things that would go into that do you think this is going to be the new model now for everything um, or just re- special I, occasions I, uh, well I, I i don't know if this is going to be like the model from this point out i do know that this is an opposite this is a great chance this is i mean this is a great venue to to do uh to do different things um rather i mean rather than okay you have a 24 page adventure you know the great maps and great writing 999 there you go I mean, that's, I mean, 
there's there's so i mean i mean that was great in 19 you know 1976 1978 when the first modules started coming out but now i mean just technology and what you can actually do with print and stuff like that it's just it's gotten so crazy that i mean some of the things that we've been talking about kind of behind the scenes are like you know make i mean you can do printed maps with like transparencies now um as you say you know like spinning you know the spinning dials things and stuff like that so there you can go kind of above and beyond just the standard okay you know um uh, saddle stitched you know, uh, adventure. So as they were talking about what's good, you know, what's new with Goodman games, you know, uh, you know, there was discussion of, you know, the, the cover to Perils of the Purple Planet being like a four page, like a, a four panel, um, kind of like pseudo referee screen and, um, Bonus you know, maps. Like, right, right. The, you know, the, the map stuff on there. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I can say, I can say is that, yeah, the, there will be a Perils of the Purple Planet Kickstarter, um, probably coming down the line, probably sooner than later. Um, it won't make nearly as much money as mine just because Charlie's involved. <laughs> oh. But, uh, but other than that, you know, so if you, if you feel sorry for the guy, I mean, he just, he just had a kid. So, you know, maybe throw in a couple pity dollars for him or something like that. You know, that's that's, that's kind of cool. But, uh, <laughs> you are evil. No. <laughs> East coast, west coast. <laughs> or Eastern mountain. <laughs> so. Picking on the Rocky Mountain boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Um, so yeah. So uh, so yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing, and I was just kind of blown away that you know we we hit our goals in under two days, and and then just keep, it keeps rolling along. So I've said it before, you know, the DC fans that you guys are all the real guys are all fanatics. You guys are all crazy people, and I love you for it. So. <laughs> well, it's exciting and it's genius too because it's win win. Because the worst possible outcome is one of these Kickstarters doesn't fund, and then we just get a great adventure, you know, with great Doug Kovacs art, like always. That's right. that, that's the lose, which is a, still a win. Right. I mean, this this was coming out anyway, but this is a chance for us to you know take an idea and do more cool stuff with it. Because I mean, the feedback on this with just the playtesting was was so good. And I, I already told I told Joseph, you know, like months ago, like I said, if this goes big, you know, I have more material. I mean, we could I could write a sequel to this, no problem. You know what else so, is genius about this? It's it's like doing market research where your customers pay you to do the market research. Right. <laughs> I mean, Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. I, that's that's one of the, they tell you the, what they want right and they're doing yeah all right here's here's a cool product are you guys you guys are down for this and you know if they are that they're you know they're voting with their money and they're getting in there they're making the comments and they're saying okay oh, well can we do this can we i'll, I'll look into it yes we can do that all right we're adding that so um so yeah so it's a it's 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 an it's a it's a really cool way to do stuff different so i'm glad joseph has kind of embraced this and so far the feedback has been has been great and hopefully we'll keep going that way i mean so well, that's why we all do this podcast, just out of sheer excitement for the system and the stuff that you guys are doing. Because, I mean, we don't make money at this. This is just fanboy stuff. Fangirl stuff. Excuse me. I just yeah. had to correct myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll <Welcome>. own it. <laughs> Hi, Jen. Welcome to the podcast. Well, Michael, thanks for being on the show. Hey, no problem. And uh, sharing your creativity and your enthusiasm. Oh, I, I have to. I'm 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 so wired right now because I have like ten more stretch goals to write, you know, before I go to bed tonight. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I think that'll wrap it up for this show. Um, like to remind everybody: never split the party unless the party is already split. Goodbye, everybody. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.
association with d20radio.com. The Spellburn theme music is provided by the band Glitter Wizard. You can find them at glitterwizard.bandcamp.com. Kickstarter stretch goals for tonight's episode were provided by the Society for the Efficient Infusion of Caffeinated Beverages. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Spellburn. Shiny fiddle made of gold But if you lose, the devil gets your soul